Welcome back to the Blog Boy Roundtable. We have got most of the Blog Boys here this week. From the Bay Area Examiner, our presenter here, we got uh, Anthony Vito, Nathan Bond, Robert Stieg, and myself from DraftKings Network. We've got Nick Simon. And we're going to talk what everybody's been talking. We're going to talk a little realignment. So much fun uh, in college football. All the, the new matchups. Right? starts the actual season starts in three weeks and we're not talking about the actual football. <laughs> no nobody cares about games <laughs> that it's turning into the, the games come it's gonna make them come by so quickly we turn around and go like okay so half the pack 12 is here and then what's going on over there and then oh wait no they're still in the big 12 you're gonna yeah. need like flashcards so in case you i don't know why you'd be listening to this if you didn't already know this we've got uh we had Two weeks ago, right? Colorado was that two weeks ago? Colorado left the Pac 12 for the Big 12. Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah end up following them after Oregon and Washington head off to the Big 10. And now it certainly seems like the Pac 12 uh, is dead, right? There's, is there any, I don't, there's no life left in, in that foursome that's, you got, Oregon State, Washington State, Cal, and Stanford. Uh, I think that is the doorknob, right? Rip. Yeah. So I guess the question is, you know, uh, first of all, let's do a little Pac-12 memory lane. Any fond Pac-12 memories? It, it certainly seems like uh, there's not going to be too many more after this season. So is anybody got a favorite Pac-12 the- player or Pac-12 memory? Certainly not the 2007 Sun Bowl. Definitely not. (laughs) not That that. didn't happen. Which may or may not have happened, I've heard from some people. Yes. I think Um, – oh, go on, Nate. I'll let you go first. I mean, Dennis Dixon was just phenomenal. Like, I love him, Jonathan Stewart. Like, that was a really fun team. That team going Um, into Michigan. Yeah, it's just unfortunate they just didn't get to go to a bowl game in 2007. I thought they deserved that. Um, that was weird that they just like stopped. Um, I mean, obviously, that USC, you know, title teams, you know, Matt Liner, those guys were always fantastic. Um, it's it sucks. I, I always, uh, I was always a fan of the uh, Oregon Oregon State rivalry, I thought that was always a a kind of un, underrated uh, college football rivalry. I thought early 2000s, they were both pretty good too. Like late 90s, early 2000s, they were both kind of uh, invested. You had like Achilles Smith, Joey Harrington on the Oregon side. You had Hushman Zada and, and Chad Johnson. And I think Jonathan Smith, right, was the quarterback. The head coach there now was the mm-hmm. quarterback. Didn't they win the Fiesta Bowl? Uh, yeah. I know they went. Did they win or they win? Yeah, I don't. I know they played in a Fiesta Bowl one year, um, and now they're kind of left in a lurch a little bit. To, uh, when I think Pac-12, yeah, I think of those. I think our age probably think of those USC teams, just the star power and kind of the wattage from them. Um, Pete Carroll asking Jim Harbaugh, "What's your deal?" Right. That was that was that was a Pac-12. That, that game propelled Stanford because. I remember when I first started watching, like Stanford was terrible. They were nothing. In that game, the one what's your deal game set Stanford on like the path of being one of 
if not the, it's some years the top team in the conference for like the next decade. It's crazy, like how that just immediately flipped just based off that one rivalry game. Um, we obviously touched on USC, like that dominant dynasty that they had with uh, Leonard Bush in the mid two thousands. And man, I, I I just remember I loved the hate. Like I just remember I was rooting for Texas so hard in that mm-hmm. Rose Bowl game because like because it's like God I I just could not stand you like USC um, at the time but now looking back like they were pretty cool um, so given my age I remember like starting to watch and follow college football in the early two thousands and I remember one of the first like memories that I have was like uh, jo- Oregon like doing the Heisman campaign with Joey Harrington and him having like the full billboard in a uh, Times square. That was, that was pretty cool. And then all the college game day pieces of him playing the piano. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it was, um, I remember Kate, Kate McNown also springs in mind. Those UCLA teams. Uh, I remember them coming down to Miami in a game that I think had to be rescheduled because of a hurricane. And that's the game where Edron James just went insane. And kind of announce think, himself to a national audience, but yeah, th- what's yeah. funny is there's not a ton recently that I'm like, oh yeah, no, and and coming from a younger perspective, uh, to age all four out of my demographic, um, hey, growing up, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> growing up, it was, for me at least, it was the rise of the Pac-12 was this harboring of the East Coast versus West Coast bias. Um, you know, that was the heyday of the Pac-12 for for me, at least growing up was, you know, you had to stay up a little bit later, but you got to watch guys like Toby Gerhardt and Chris McCaffrey from Stanford. And, you know, mm-hmm. you get you get some electric offenses out of uh, UCLA every once in a while or, or Wazoo or anything. But it was always, you know, they never got the respect that they deserved. You know, the, the big thing for me thinking about Pac-12 and the thing that always sticks out is Chris McCaffrey, you know, not winning the Heisman in a year that he probably should have because you know for living on the east coast and everything you always got the sec games in prime time at eight o'clock and once those games are over you go to bed so if you're you're you know watching the cam newtons and tim tebow's and you know whomever of the world's on the east coast but you never got the love out of the west coast and so that fight that the pac-12 had to do week in and week out to say like hey we have one of the best football players in the country you know, getting six to eight touchdowns a game and rushing for 350 yards and is all purpose and all this stuff. And ESPN was like, Hey, yeah, 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 whatever. Uh, did you see what Auburn did? And it just like, it was the the back and forth that you would see from there. So to me, at least it was always just the pact having to fight and be on TV. Right. If, if USC remained not where they were with Pete Carroll, but let's say they remained pretty close. Would this be happening? Well, I mean, you're seeing they left because the money was they, they didn't leave for games, they left because the money was so much better than the Big Ten. Back when they were number one, I think, for if you go back to the mid early two thousands, mid twenty mid like twenty ten ish, I think they had the highest they had the number one TV deal, the pack the pack ten did, pack twelve. So did USC falling off a little bit? Because I think that also enabled teams like Alabama started going in and, and getting some of the best players in California. Yeah, it's when they started losing their quarterbacks, right? It's when like the the California quarterback pipeline kind of dried up for them, 
Um, who was the uh, God? There was one. There was one quarterback who was oh the blonde hair. <laughs> All of them. Oh my! I know, right? That's really, Jimmy Claus. Really more specific. No, Jimmy Claus. Um, John David Booty. Oh my Which god! I can name? see. I can see. Is his he face. really? Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, it was Sam like, Darnold. He, he was supposed to be the Matt Barkley. Golly, sorry, Matt Barkley. Man. Right, right, right. When he he was like the top quarterback prospect in the country by a country mile, and then when it just didn't work for him there, it started. I think that's kind of that those few years is probably when people started looking like, okay, if the top quarterback in California can't get it done at USC, what's really going on? And I think that was kind of the downward spiral of the Pac-12, even with, you know, Oregon going to a, a title, a title game that, you know, maybe Michael Dyer was down. I, I don't know. Um, but it's, that was the downward trajectory and it's unfortunate for this year's Pac-12 because I think it's probably one of the most exciting conferences in the entire mm-hmm. country uh, with the quarterback play that they're going to have. Um, tough stuff. Yeah, and, and, and that's this. Go ahead, go ahead, Vito. I was, I was going to say that's just what's unfortunate that they might have the best quarterback play in any conference. They had some exciting matchups last year and it, it's probably going to continue this year and uh, the star power that they have, but is this going to end up being completely overshadowed just because of conference realignment? I mean, the worst thing that can that that can happen is USC rises to dominance and the Big Ten's just <laughs> chanting their names and like being a fan. And all of a sudden it turns into this is what the Big Ten is and what what's going to happen there and not this is what the Pac-12 is. Um, I always remember uh, one of my, uh, my favorite Pac-12 moments. And this just always I always thought that the conference is so much fun because you you would watch football all day and then you'd stay up late at night and watch this. And it was I always thought it was really cool to like wake up early as a kid and see who won those fun um uh, West Coast games, like in the paper or on, or on ESPN, and see like, oh wow, this was so exciting. Um, it always was just w- whether it be Oregon or uh, Stanford, always coming in or Arizona like, out of nowhere and just stopping these dominant teams who look like they're going to run the table. That was always exciting for me about the Pac- about the Pac-12. It wasn't just like, oh, someone's going to run away with it. Just an, an exciting game, just you know, punch someone in the mouth. It generally, it always felt like it was Stanford or Arizona versus Oregon for the most part, but. Um, that's kind of what I always remembered, but uh, I do have a soft spot um, in my heart for those early Chip Kelly Oregon teams. That was just, mm-hmm. how do you do this? How is that? This is so exciting. And then the the Rose Bowl, the first playoff game versus Florida State, where you know Hilarious. Florida State's two Funniest straight football and, game I've ever seen. And again, I, I actually was in Orlando watching that game with my brother and dad, who are Florida State fans. He's a grad. My now wife is a grad, and like that game was just like holy. I remember, and this is when I realized like how good he was on on uh, as a play caller. They were they were getting Florida like they kept doing these swing passes to the running backs and just getting a few chunks of yardage. And then one time he did, uh, uh, Mariota did a pump fake. Everyone jumped out, and then they had a wide mm-hmm. receiver wide open over the top. I remember going like, he set that up. Oh my gosh, that was the payoff. And then obviously Jameis Winston tripping over himself and fumble rooskying. Um, <laughs> The that's always getting super kicked. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so, so uh, th- those are always fun, but um, it's just it, it stinks now that that's not gonna 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 be the case. There's not gonna be kids growing up who just want to wake up the next day and see like, oh, what happened on the West Coast? 
Well, I mean, yeah, I th- and I think part of it is, is too, just kind of talking about if USC, if we all feel USC's kind of malaise is a big part of it, well, some of that is just for stuff that, you know, NCAA violations, scholarship reductions for things that just wouldn't really be a big deal now. So right, that's kind of sucks too. It's, it's just kind of the worst possible time to get those. They're really like the last, are they like the last team to really get badly punished for something uh, like that? Because you have this game on North Carolina that's kind of a slap on the wrist. Yeah, I always think that Jim Trestle, Jim Trestle, Ohio Ohio State, State, they lost a whole year where Urban went undefeated, I think, but they were true. Yeah, that's that's the last one I remember um, being like, oh, wow, they might be good. Tattoos. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Something that's like the dumbest thing. Yeah, USC got hit with those sanctions, but then it was kind of also like their downfall was also their own doing because they just kept going back to it's like, oh well, this guy was here when Pete Carroll, like when Pete Carroll was here. We'll get Lane Kiffin. We'll get we'll bring back Steve Sarkeesian. Now we'll get um I've already like I've already <laughs> like I've already forgotten his name. Helton. Like, Clay Elton. And then we'll just keep Clay Helton on for the like for the longest time. So yeah, it's just it it's just like the entire downfall of this conference. It was just a confluence of everything going wrong at the same time. Like it, it's just really unfortunate that like that this historic conference, I've said it before, this historic conference that's existed basically intact with most of its members for like an entire century is now in the ash, the dustbin of history now. Yeah. And it's, and it, the, it kill, you know, they're known as a conference of champions and it kills, it possibly kills some, you know, uh, you know, like we talked about Stanford, have they traditionally been all great at football? Not traditionally always. They, they've had, they've ebb and flow, but, they're like number one every year in these all sport trophies. They put a lot of emphasis. In it. They right. play. I mean, they play so many sports there. They're non football. And now I would imagine some of those have got to be in limbo. If uh, they can't get the revenue figured out to kind of, I'd imagine some of that goes to support those. So yeah, it's not just the football, which I think kind of leads into where do we think this is? Well, I guess first we can talk about, um, you know, what do you what do, what do you guys think about this for the Big Twelve and the Big Ten, just from a, on the field perspective? Uh, I, the Oregon Washington thing is obviously, you know, bad feelings aside, just on the field, uh, a coup for them. Yeah, honestly, I'm gonna zag here a little bit on you, Seth. I think what the the Big Twelve was able to do, adding a Utah, adding Arizona and Arizona State is massive because honestly you know they still don't have the brand names you know oklahoma texas going into the future but you're still getting some really historic and established uh teams through you know over the years you know those rudy carpenter arizona state teams were fun um you know the gronk arizona teams were fun uh utah is just a perennial like solid eight nine ten win team uh, in the in the Pac-12 now, and you know they've they've always had their history, right? I think what they were due to solidify maybe the not the middle, but like the middle up 
tier of the Big 12. And I think I think Utah is probably carrying a lot of that. Um, we still got to figure out what Arizona and Arizona State are going to do. Um, but that basketball conference is going to be insane. Yeah. Baseball and softball are going to be nutty uh, in the Big 12, um, even with the loss of Oklahoma and Texas. Um, adding those Arizona, Arizona State, that's, that's a coup in and of itself. And, and kudos to the Big 12 for – kind of solidifying themselves as, hey, we're not really going anywhere. The ACC may die, but we're, we're kind of here to stay as the, you know, the central and, and the Western power conference. Yeah, and they've kind of central and Western, the table, like it's right? a joke. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, – so I, you said that right, central and Western, and if you go west of Louisiana, that looks an amazing conference, and then you just have three outliers on the East Coast, on the East – and one real big, because at least with Cincinnati, that kind of gives West uh, West Virginia some semblance of a partner. And then you have UCF all the way down. That's a lot of travel. Um, and I, I agree. I think it's really, it was uh, amazing foresight to jump ahead of the Pac-12 and get a media deal done. Because now the, the foresight, and I'll be the first one to say, I got this completely wrong. I just kept thinking, th- there's no way you're just going to completely gut the Pac-12. But a lot of these TV uh, these media partners wanted to consolidate because you couldn't, you, they, they, you don't want to spread out all your money. So it's like, let's put everything in one pot and this is where it's going to go. Which is why it kind of stinks that the pack four, they're probably going to be left for dead because no one's going to come and, and, and help them unless you go to a mountain West or, I mean, they're saying AAC because there's an ESPN deal. And it's just one of those things who knows what happens there, but man, there's a lot of freaking travel. Uh, the big thing about the, when you mentioned Oregon, Washington is like, who is this for? And why did the big 10 feel like they needed to do this now? Because like, if you're Rutgers or Northwestern or Maryland, like why, why did you want that? Why? Like what you as a program, why are you saying like, you know what? We should bring them in because why not? We haven't even tried the USC UCLA thing. Let's go ahead and add two more Western programs. That's kind of what I'm wondering is why did they feel the rush to do this? But those are the two biggest brands left over, and that made the most sense. It's almost like they were reading the press clippings. I think some of it's right. You have a ton of leverage, and you got them at a half share, right? They're 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 going to come in at like thirty million, and then uh, everybody else is going to be making like fifty or sixty. So you you basically get two for the price of one. So I think that's part of it. You just had a ton of leverage, and and then you get you know the the thing that seemed to be going. And even your mark was kind of talking about it is having that West Coast TV window, having something to put in that West Coast TV window for your television partners was a big deal. And so I guess they, you know, having those two now, like you said, they had USC and UCLA, but maybe this, they think, okay, well, we can ease a little bit of the travel concern by having us some more out there. But yeah, it doesn't like fit. You don't think Washington, classic Big Ten team. No. <laughs> It's going to be gross to, go to, to look at. These guys are going to go to Iowa in, in like November or in Minnesota, and it's just going to be a whole seat. You're going to like uh, literally going to uproot an entire team season because you could be killing it, but the minute you have to go play in snow or a cold weather, it just changes the whole timbre. Well, uh, well don't worry about that, Vito, because the Big Ten refuses to play like after 5 p.m. on Saturdays in November, so it's it'll be all right. Yeah. Days now. True. I, I think Cowards. for me, at least the, uh, the Big Ten, What I, I feel like right now, it's just going to be wait and see for a lot of it. But looking ahead to when you have to have these discussions again in the near future about TV deals and, and how things are paid out, 
is is it still going to be this leverage that this big that the Big Ten has? Because right now the Big Ten has all of the leverage in the world with their TV deal and how they got everything set up, and you know that'll soon be trumped by what uh, the SEC is going to get. But at, at what point does the juice not worth the squeeze on the TV deals? Because you have all these blue blood programs that are fantastic and they bring a lot of eyes and the cat, you know, looking and talking to the casual fans about this. There are people that are like, what the hell is going on? You know, we're all mm-hmm. deep in the, in the weed. We, we, we take the medicine every single day, but there are people that have no idea why this stuff is happening. And it's going to cause this riff of like, all right, I don't really care that USC is playing, you know, Ohio state in to decide the big 10 championship. Why can't USC play like Stanford? Why can't USC play Cal? Why can't they do this when it's a meaningful matchup for, for conference? So I think at some point it's gonna to, we, we talked about it previously. It's, it's teetering on the extreme other end. There's so many knee jerk reactions to conference realignment right now. And you see it all over Twitter. You know, the ACC has to, they have to take, UConn, they have to take these teams. They have to be relevant. And and it's going to cause these knee-jerk reactions to continue to happen until your knee turns numb. And then you're left sitting there like, shit, why, or excuse me, you're left sitting there, crap, why did we take ECU? Why did we take all these teams? And it, it's just going to keel itself back over at some point when you realize the money's not always there. The money's yeah. not always going to be great. The grass is not always going to be greener, especially if all of these things don't pan out. If Colorado doesn't pan out, if Arizona doesn't pan out, if Houston doesn't pan out, you added three teams that are bottom feeders for the vibes, I guess, in football. Got to clarify that. In football, you're adding them because of vibes, because they're giving you, you know, the warm and fuzzies because Deion Sanders gets up there and, and touts, you know, his Louis Vuitton luggage. If he doesn't win games, you look like an idiot. Because now who's going to watch that? Who's going to show up? Because they're going to ask to fire him and then they're going to have to find that money and everything. So I just, I see this just knee jerk reacting all the way back at some point in the next like 10, 15 years. Yeah. And then who's to say that the TV money will be there, will still be going up and up and up in about a decade when you like look at streaming, like streaming numbers and how all of that's going down in other areas of entertainment. Like you mentioned how, um, how Oregon is coming in at a half share. And the idea is that their share is going to gradually increase in theory every single year. And then when they re- renegotiate with Fox and CBS and, MB- and NBC, when their current deal is up, Oregon will then get folded in as a, as a full-time member or like, at least that's a thought. But again, who's to say that's going to happen? What if you do get to like say 2030 and it's like, actually they're not going to pay us that much you and so you basically jump for nothing basically so uh it's 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 a it's a mess can can i piggyback off of that too because you're going to have a lot of teams you're going to have to get used to only winning 7 or 8 games maybe less not everybody can win 11 games so how much right. is a seven win season? I mean, how many programs went from one power five program to another and have success? Because you look at like Nebraska, I mean, Colorado, you can already see that's what about, I, that's about to happen. Oklahoma. Yeah. 
all of a sudden you're going to go and it, you you could be a very good team and you're still going to get tripped up because you're playing hard teams every year. And I guess that's what's going to show you about what happens with the college football playoff when like, you know, a three loss SEC team gets in over a undefeated AAC team or something like that. That's probably the next step that happens there. But man, you're going to have a lot of programs who are like, I liked Oklahoma. I liked running the table and losing one game and then going to the playoff. Now all of a sudden I get tripped up against Arkansas and everyone says that we're losers. Like, how does that, how do you, how do you go with that? Uh, same with Colorado. Like, how do you, did you make a move because just of Dion? Because that's, that's not great. I mean, great now, but that, that's some rough fo- foresight to, to take that. But I guess it'll be interesting. Hopefully, hopefully uh, it'll work out. Yeah. Fans can't exactly comfort themselves with uh, TV revenue dollars. You know, you can't do the Chappelle where he's got all his, you can't really do that. Right. That, those aren't your dollars. So, um, you know, I'm sure that'll give fans solace when their team goes from perennial contender to middle of the pack. But we've got more TV dollars, guys. Don't forget about that. So the College Football Inquirer said right that. Now. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, 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 uh, I, I forgot. I think it was Pat Forty said that executive, the College Football executives and administrators. It's the biggest coup of the, of the of their entire sport was that they somehow convinced the average fan that TV money money matters. Yeah. Well, I, I think and. <laughs> And then I think that's a good kind of transition to talk like, okay, so what, what do we think is the future of college football? Um, it certainly seems like this isn't it. And we're not just going to go to like 20 and stay in the 12, you know, conferences of 20 and stay in the 12 team playoff. It certainly seems like something else is going to happen. Um, I wrote on the Bayer Examiner Substack. One idea, uh, but it'll never happen because it would be, uh, it would, you know, people would have to share a little bit. So that's not going to happen. But um, do we have a split off and get back to the regionality that makes college football so fun? Do you think that's where we're headed or is it just going to kind of stay in the leagues we're in now and this is what we're going to have going forward? I, I think that I think that's exactly it because I don't see how any of this is sustainable over the course of the next like decades. Like I mean, like we're gonna try like for the next like five to ten years, you will get like USC volleyball traveling to Bloomington, Indiana to play uh to play Indi- to play Indiana in sports and they'll they'll try they'll try it out. But it's just whenever you have a conference whenever you have a conference that's like 20 that gets up to like 20, 24 members, you're dealing with a wide variety of universities that all have different goals and different missions about what to, um, about where they want, like about how they do business and where they want to go. And so you're going to have these schools out. So for instance, the big 10, for example, you're going to have these schools out West who all have their own like ideas. You're going to have these schools like in the Midwest who have their ideas. You have a bunch of East coast schools now who have their, it, like when you have that many differing, differing uh, institutions, it just, it, it's just not going to work long-term no matter how much money CBS and Fox, <laughs> CBS and Fox and NBC throws at you. You're eventually going to have infighting. You're going to have, these cluster of schools disagreeing with these cluster of schools. So I just think like by the time we get to the 2030s, you're eventually in like some of these TV deals die down. You're eventually going to have clusters of schools 
<laughs> break off to form their own thing to, to form their own league to kind of serve their own interests, which is what we basically have. So, yeah. Steve, uh, you got to run. What do you, what do you think? Where do you think it's kind of heading from here? It, it's either what Nick is kind of referring to. It's, it's that knee jerk kind of stuff where uh, changes are going to happen or eventually. And I've seen this floated around quite a few times. The football breaking off, I think is the, the elephant in the room that I think a lot of people are trying to avoid discussing is that to a point, yeah, the TV money is absolutely great. And and these guys at the top are going to keep on digging at that well until it, it, you know, no longer spits out cash, but they're going to eventually kind of have to make a decision. Do we want to give up money to go back to the regional side of things? Or can we keep milking this cow and, and make some decisions elsewhere? And that might lead to say a, a division where, uh, or excuse me, where in, in football, you might have the big 10 where it's USC and, and Rutgers and UCLA and, however you want to buy that up, but then for Olympic sports and for non those non big revenue sports. So I'm talking, I'm even talking men's basketball. You might put men's basketball back into a regional conference to help with those costs, because instead of having your men's basketball team fly all the way to, to Piscataway for a game, you know, it might be, might behoove yourself a little bit better to play a few more local games against the Cows and Stanford's. So I, I think there's a real possibility. We're going to see football kind of, teeter off into its own realm of things and the ramifications of that might be really extreme in the olympic sports that that might be something that you know turns into there's only you know 40 teams at the top that are paying their you know uh, football players and then there's a whole bunch of club sports and they're getting support from the the tea leaves that they can so who knows what's going to happen there but man it's just it doesn't feel right. It, it didn't feel right when Texas A&M and Missouri went to the SEC. It didn't feel right when um, Texas and Oklahoma and when UCLA and USC and all this, none of this feels right because it's all money driven and not anything else. It just, it's gross to me. All right. Thank you, Steve. What do you, oh, Nate, Vito, what do you guys think? You think we're heading towards uh, a split here, uh, a split division? where football totally breaks off and governs itself? Or do you think we're going to stay with the status quo for a little bit longer? So governing itself is going to be, I think there are multiple steps to that because at that point you're going to be making so much money. Like the, the NIL stuff is going to like, it's not going to be enough. Right. Like you're going to have to acknowledge that these athletes are actually employees and give them a salary and, and things of that nature. I think that's, you know, with with NIL kind of ripping off the bandaid of that, this obviously hyper sped everything else up. Um, it was bound to happen anyway. It's not a reason why or why not NIL is good. It's just the reality and, and the facts of the matter. Um you've got to figure out that piece, right? Because you're talking about, you mentioned, you know, $60 million per year per school and the student athletes who are making the money, truly making it are getting nothing, you know, cost of attendance and things of that nature, not anything else. And then, uh, you know, Missouri head coach, Eli Drinkowitz, who spoke with the media over the weekend, kind of discussed this, discussed it like this is you can't have all this money and expect not to pay the players and 
the the fallout of this is going to be that they're ultimately going to be employees and you're going to have to swallow that giant pill whenever that comes around and realize this is this is the bed you made and you're going to have to sleep in it and i think yeah it's it'll split off minor league football what have you um better better product than probably like usfl or uh, you know the xfl has but it's just not gonna be as fun and uh i'm kind of turned off by the entire thing um feel bad for you know the mac is probably in the best spot where like they they know their status in life they're not improving but the teams like you know usf memphis some of the other programs who were they had got a taste of it or they aspire to be one of the top 60 50 teams in the country it's like it's it's slowly but surely becoming a pipe dream at this point i think the the scary thing is i just i often wonder and i'm sure there'll be lots of pieces on this what do the the student athletes that decided to commit to a program for baseball softball one of the olympic sports or even one of the prestigious ones uh especially on the west coast now all of a sudden you completely change the conference affiliation not like one that probably might that could potentially change your mind the other transfer portals you can leave but what if there's no real place for you to be now you were so used to or you're so that uh, there was like a, a culture of where like th- these were the olympic sports uh sports thrive i mean how many olympians does stanford have and now all of a sudden you might not have a landing spot and yeah it's like well, okay well you'll find you know a west coast conference or you'll you'll go independent but it's like that's not the same as saying I know I knew the California teams I was going to play on the West Coast, and that's how I was going to get the best training and become an Olympian. And now all of a sudden, that changes completely. I, I'm I, like that kind of breaks my heart because we have no idea what's going to happen to them, and that's all put to the wayside because TV money said football, football mattered and to a lesser extent, basketball mattered, and everybody else figure out everything else. And a lot of it's like, well, you know, just go to a, you know put soccer in the Mac or put soccer in the Sunbelt or do whatever. But it's like, then you're the Mac or Sunbelt. Like, no, why do I want you left me? Why would I want to bring you back and help you? But then that's just hurting other student athletes. It's just, it's it's, it's such a, a, that part of it kind of upsets me and I'm not sure where that's going to end up going, but like, I can't imagine like you committed to Cal, let's say, and then all of a sudden the whole thing, whole rug got pulled up from under you and you go like, do I really, I mean, or Arizona State's like, do okay, now I got to go to West Virginia and Cincinnati. I was not expecting this. I was expecting to stay in the West Coast, but now this completely changes what you want to do, and there's not much alternative. It's almost like you just have to go with it, and these sports are going to pay pay the price. But I mean, I suppose they'll figure it out because, you know, I don't know. Football is also floating them, so I don't know. I just kind of like I always I, I kind of think myself into a circle by this. Like, oh, they'll figure it out, and then you just go like, how? Yeah, I, I think to your point, like when when uh, when it was when it seemed like it might just be Colorado, and this was all still you know kind of fun ish. Uh, just because Colorado was going back to the Big Twelve, I think we were all like, "It's smart for Colorado; they can get back into Texas." Well, why can they get back into Texas? Because kids from Texas will realize, "Hey, if I go to Colorado, I'll still be playing a bunch of games in Texas." So you've probably got kids from California that may be. Uh, yeah, I can go to Arizona State. We're still going to play a bunch of games in California. My f- friends and family can be there. But yeah, I'll go to Oregon. No big deal. And now, well, I got to go play Rutgers. I got to go play Maryland. Now that's a little bit different. You're not going to see those friends and family quite as much. So there is something to that. Um, I think unequivocally football should just totally break off and be something totally separate. They, the rules, 
need to be different. It's a totally different thing at this point than, you know, volleyball. It's just, it's not in the, the, they're, the models are totally different. And I'm sure there's some volleyball players getting NIL money and that kind of stuff, which is great for everybody. You know, like the, I think the top NIL learners, Olivia Dunn at LSU, the gymnast. But like football is on a totally separate model. Um, and I think that you can, you can rationalize some of the cross country travel a little bit better to yourself when it's 12 games a year, maybe only three bad road trips. You know, you have some time to recover. You don't have to like turn around and play, you know, fly in on Sunday night, turn around and play a game on Tuesday, fly back out on Thursday. You can kind of rationalize the football side to yourself, but yeah, the other sports, and that's kind of, I think what Drinkwitz was getting at, it's these, they're, they're going to be put in a real lurch because they don't travel the same as football. They don't, right. The turnaround is much quicker. It's a lot different than, than just these football trips, which while everyone acknowledges they're going to be long, at least they have a little bit more time between games and things like that. These other sports are going to get crushed. And that's, so, what and that's what sucks about the, uh, Pac-12 is because they like they had a perfect system set up where it's like a Thursday with like I know in men's basketball it's like a Thursday Saturday ordeal because all the schools are like kind of you can break it down all the schools are like paired off so if you're like going up to and playing like say if you're like Arizona you're going up to say uh, play Washington well you're gonna play what you know you're gonna play Washington on Thursday and then Washington State on Saturday. Meanwhile, like Arizona State, they're going up to play Washington State on Thursday and then Washington on Saturday. So, like, they had that perfectly figured out. So it's going to be a real shock to the system for, like, all of their Olympic sports where you're completely ripping, like, that fabric, that foundation of how we do how we do things. Like, you're just tearing it up. Yeah, and, and then I, I think just to get away from – just to get back to the football side of things, um, you know, football governing itself, I think, also helps like get things done a little bit quicker. Um, you know, it's it seems inevitable that they, even if they football breaks off as is, and the proposal I wrote up was for the 133 teams that are playing football now, how could you make it work? Um, but I, I think it's inevitable that there's going to be a further split from there. Right. And this is, I think, somewhat, and I, I said it on uh, Pod by the Bay or, or USF cast that, you know, I, I think this is kind of the, the inevitable result of play, paying players because you have to give them a cut of revenue eventually. And so these schools, which have been spending money like drunken sailors, you know, I, there was a, there was an article that you know at one point like 2019 florida state was spending like 15 to 8 i think it might have been 18 percent of athletic revenue on coaches which is like buyouts for coaches and coaching staff and it's like okay well I, you gotta start raining that spending in you gotta start raining the buyouts in all that stuff's gotta get reined in and i i think that's gonna be harder for them to do than it would be just hey let's go get some more television money let's just go get more money and then we can give the players that so I think that's kind of fueled this a little bit, but I, I am what I imagine happening. And you guys can tell me if you think differently. I think we get to a spot where there's a league where players are making salaries and get NIL 
they're making salaries from either the conference or the the, the school, um, and probably scholarship. I don't know if they would be on scholarship or not, but they're not paying for that's taken care of. And then there will be a league just below that that's eighty five scholarships. You can do NIL, but you're only getting a scholarship from the school, as is right now, and that'll be kind of the next tier down. So it's kind of a race to get in that top tier, just how many are going to be in there. And then, you know, is it just going to be a total P five G five split or, you know, you're going to get 80 schools in the top tier or 40 schools. I think that's kind of what the difference will be uh, or, or kind of what the details will be. Do you guys think it's going to turn into that? The, the next, the next frontier, I know um, split zone duo has been saying this. The next frontier is like, Okay, so we know that like the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Ohio States, the Michigans, like yeah, they they'll be fine. Like they can like they can just straight up like pay the kids if they like want to salaries and all of that. But it's really going to be the Vanderbilts, the Mississippi States, the Indianas that are going to be considered dead weight, and that's kind of the next frontier within the decade where it's like okay, let's cut all of these other schools off so we can do our basic premier league type thing at the top of the, at the top of the ladder. I hate it. Do they cut them out or do they kind of just make them self select out? We didn't kick out Vanderbilt. They just didn't want to invest. It's going to be like Tulane and Suwannee back in the day where it's like all of a sudden, these are our rules. You need to be able to invest yeah. this much. And this is what the salary is going to be. Um, and those programs might, I mean, maybe they will, but it's also just a, yeah, we really can't commit to that or we won't commit to that part of it. Um, the other, the other part of that, it's like, I, I, I kind of could see that happening. Um, but like, even right now with NIL, everyone's like, NIL, NIL, everyone's going to go to the same program. It's like, well, no, because if you're going to get multiple offers, you're going to go to a team where you can play or whatever the bad thought. And like one program can't offer everything. Well, now if it's a salary, maybe the, you know, third best quarterback will just be a backup somewhere. But quarterback's a bad idea. Strike that from the record. Maybe that maybe like, you know, a four star cornerback or uh, someone in the secondary or a skill position guy will go to a top dog when he might have gone somewhere else because, well, I'm getting a salary and that's going to be life changing money. And at this point, the NFL is probably going to find me whether I play, you know, at a Mac school or not. So it's one of those things where like that could be that could really start pushing talent towards one direction or the other. And then that's when you really have to truly have that break because now all of a sudden your talent acquisition is completely different. Yeah. I, I just, in that little exercise I did today, or I kind of did over the weekend and started looking at stuff, you know, if, and I was kind of imagining, okay, if I'm the Mac and you know, one of my things was that you, the, you're going to have to, you pair up conferences to get television deals. So, um, let's say the Big Ten, which we'll put it back to the ele- the traditional, you know, the Big Ten, the traditional 11. Uh, that sounds weird, but, you know, kind of the traditional group of Penn State. If you made them the MAC, the 12th member, so let's say the the, the next uh, Big Ten TV deal is like $80 million. All right, the whole MAC gets one, sh- one team share. They get $80 million. And then you split that. If you did like a revenue split of 30% going to the players, you still wouldn't be, you'd hardly cover. Um, I think like Miami of Ohio, their out of state tuition is like $27,000 or $30,000. That revenue split still hardly covers that if you break it down that much. So, like, and that's a lot more money. 
Mac teams currently, I think, make six hundred thousand dollars a team on their television deal. So like, <laughs> you're not they're not going to be able to afford Ooh. to pay anybody anything. No. So, you know that that's that kind of. There's definitely a split coming where this level a scholarship is all we can give you. And we got 85 of them, but we can only give you a scholarship and you can get whatever you want NIL. Uh, but yeah, I, that's, I think that's going to be the big split. Who can afford to pay or who's willing to pay salaries? However you have to get, it. if you have to raise donations, do it through a collective, um, you know, but I think that's going to be the next kind of frontier is that salary. And like Nick mentioned in split zone duo, some people might get pushed out. So, yep, dark times. It's very sad. <laughs> SEC without Vanderbilt would be—I don't know—just does, it doesn't compute in my brain. I've got, I've got the, I've got the fix up on Substack. I think we've got it. We can get all one thirty-three in. We'll, we'll make the money go around. It'll never happen. No. <laughs> Pro rel. <laughs> yeah. That I mean, that would be that's kind of the next thing. Like, what if a program starts making a ton of money? Do they get a chance to come up and have to say, "Hey, we want to pay our players"? Do they get a chance to to buy their way in? You're not allowed to because you weren't having drinks in a hotel room 150 <laughs> years ago with someone. Yeah. So that'll be. Yeah. How how, how quick is this happening? Do you think? We're, we're, how quick do we get the split? Ten years? Next ACCT? Are we? Ten. Twenty thirties. No. All right. Well, that's extremely sad. Uh, nice way to go out here on the Blog Boy Roundtable. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. Who knows? We might be talking about FSU uh, using oil money to, to pay their way out of the ACC. Clemson might be getting money from Joel Osteen or something and paying their way out. I don't know. We'll see what happens. University we'll- of Toronto entered the chat. But we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back next week covering more college football. Gentlemen, thank you. Thank you.